This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Damien Richards talks about powering up with the sacraments. What does a sacrament actually mean? What do superheroes have to do with it? Well, let's find out. Father Damien is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. Father has been a priest for 30 years then, served in 14 parishes across the Diocese of Salina. Is that some sort of record or... <laughs> yeah, it's one-sixth of the parishes in the okay. diocese. Okay, wow. Yeah. Father, and, Father Fred has served in three, and he's been a priest for 29 years. Okay. And Father Kevin Weber, who's same age as I am, is three. Okay. So <laughs> you've been around the diocese I've a been in bit. every vicariate. <laughs> okay. The deanery. All right. Uh, um, Father also is um, our pastor at St. Nicholas of Myra here in Hayes. Um, and he's also the pastor at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Munger mm-hmm. and is teaching eighth grade religion at Thomas More Prep Marion Junior High School. Um, I, it's a blessing to have you, Father. It's a blessing to have you teaching uh, my son. Um, I know he's learning a lot from you. And uh, so I really appreciate that. But I, you know, I think we'll um, uh, dig into it um, and uh, let you kind of... Uh, Take it away on whatever you want to talk about. Well, this is the easiest way for me to talk about this is here's what we're talking about in class right now. Fantastic. And last night I jotted down kind of bullet points of what we've covered. Okay. I'll I'll run through them and then you go, well, let's let's play with this for a while. Okay. Sounds good. uh, uh, We're currently currently starting on the sacrament. We're on the sacraments and we just started on penance this week. I'm working on having them memorize the classic sacramental definition, outward sign instituted by Christ entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us. They're, they have to they have to write that out once a week, and that's a figure through their hands. It'll get into their head. Let's see here. We spent a month defining that definition. We spent one month on that <laughs> sentence. So they ought to know it. They ought to know it, and they ought to know aware, awareness of it. Uh, there's the Greek word for sacrament, which is mysterion. There's the Latin word for sacrament, which is sacramentum, uh, exopere operato, the importance of matter and form, that, and that the number of trick answers there are to the, ans- uh, to the question, which is the first sacrament. There are like four trick answers that you can give oh, really? for that. Like how number seven is the perfect number, and that's why seven sacraments. Uh, the Eucharist is the most important sacrament, or why it is. Lex orandi, legem credendi. Church is here, but not yet. And when I was talking about marriage, I used Marvel movies to explain that marriage is the ideal the church promotes. I had to use Marvel movies in order to do that. Uh, you, uh, how, you're going to have to explain that one to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I well, love the idea, but... You, you... Well, the way it is, is that as you know, the church... When church teaches stuff, when church says this is this is what we want you to have, this is the life we want you to live, the church always presents the ideal. Yeah. And it's like, yes, we know there are exceptions, but we're not going to worry about the exceptions right now. We're going to talk about the ideal. This is what everybody wants to strive for. Yep. And that's why John Paul II, Theology of the Body, but that's why when we always present marriage, it's one man, one woman, two virgins get married, faithful to each other open to life, raise a family, that, and then that's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. And so we present that as the ideal. And we are, you know, you don't, it doesn't take too much time in pastoral <laughs> life to know that, you know, they're not everybody's at the ideal. Yeah. And so, well, we'll work with them in order to get to the ideal. But let's start with the ideal because we want these kids to understand what the definition is. And this came up also, uh, your... Uh, my boss just got done talking, Chad. Uh, <laughs> He's Mr. Mike. too. <laughs> He's your boss, too. Yeah, you think about too. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we had this talk about, okay, how are we going to incorporate theology of the body into the religion department, also into the health department? Yep. And I realized it's like, well, we need, I need to do a little more deep dive into marriage. And so we're, we, we spent a good – we spent a week and a half, two weeks on marriage right before Thanksgiving. And all right, so I got to introduce them to the concept that not 
like there's the ideal and then there's the fact that not everybody is this way. Mm-hmm. And so I we started through various superheroes and the family situation that they oh, were in, yeah. uh, like uh, uh, who was raised by his aunt and uncle. Yep, Peter, Par- Peter Parker yeah. was. Hey, you knew this too. You know who was raised by his aunt and uncle. Uh, who was raised by his butler. Yeah, Bruce Batman. Wayne. Yeah, Batman. Batman. Yep. Uh, who was raised by adopted parents. Ooh, who's mm-hmm. that one? After his planet was destroyed. <laughs> oh, there you go, Superman. Superman. And he, was, and, right. and he was raised in Kansas. Yep, exactly. And uh, <laughs> I've even got one comic. Depending on the iteration of the comic, Superman either was raised in Hutchinson, Smallville. The, the Smallville TV show... Uh-huh. Internal clues say that Hutchinson is Smallville. Okay. okay. But there's one comic, it's called Superman for All Seasons, and they have a reference to Big Creek is about to flood the Kent farm, huh. which means that Clark Kent was raised in Ellis County. Yeah. Big Creek. Uh, you know, but uh, I just love the fact that oh, uh, the orphan boy was raised in Kansas. That's our claim to fame. And that's how he, <laughs> and that's how he turned out good. But we go through all of these. And the only superhero, Marvel superhero, DC superhero, oh, uh, uh, Wonder Woman was raised by a single mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Queen Hippolyta is the one who raised Diana. So, but the only superhero that was raised by a loving uh, father and a mother who raised them in a family with love in order to raise them properly to prepare them to live a life was Prince T'Challa. Oh, huh. Black Panther. Yeah. Black Panther is the only one. Gotcha. Everybody else has some obscure thing or something's wrong or they're, yeah. you know, something. But he's the only one where mom and dad raised their son. Here is your legacy. Here's what we want you to be. Yeah. And so the way I introduce it as is that keep in mind when the church is talking about marriage, they're assuming you're all Wakanda royal family. Oh, gotcha. That yeah. that's what we want for everybody uh-huh. is that. So when we're talking about marriage and family, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So I was rather proud of coming up with that. Yeah, uh, I like that. And uh, but that was what I used in order to be, introduce the concept. And so we started talking about marriage, and we spent a lot of time on. I just stole straight from John Paul II and theology of the body uh, because. The beauty of John Paul II is we're not going to talk about the negative. We're not going to talk about the exception. We're not going to talk about the what if. We're going to talk about the ideal. We're going to talk about the good. And so we spent time talking about this is what marriage was like when God created the world and what marriage was like in the Garden of Eden and how Adam and Eve, you know, conquer the earth, be fruitful and multiply and how that uh, and how that was what we want to have. And that we lost it through original sin, but then Christ restored it. Um, so we spent some time on that. And then, of course, it was my excuse. Uh, we, read, we read a summary of, we read part of an article about theology of the body. Okay. If, if you've tried to read the original, it's, yes. it's really dense and really thick. Yeah, it's like, it's like reading Love and Responsibility. Holy cow, have you ever read that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to read it twice, and I still haven't made it all the way through. <laughs> well, you just read, you read the first sentence of the paragraph. All right, try to find the subject and the verb. Uh-huh. All right, do I understand the subject and the verb? <laughs> and then you go on to the next paragraph. That's, <laughs> there you go. That's a good that's, way. That's, it just takes a while. That's all it does. Okay. Uh, let's see. Got to do a lot of things on uh, Lewis and Zelie Martin. Oh, great. You know, patron saint of married couples. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a bunch of stuff I just copied off. Um, like I do engaged encounters. Uh-huh. And so as part of engaged encounter, I talk about Lewis and Zelie Martin and ask for their intercession because they're patron saint of married couples. And so I just printed off the homily that I give for the Sunday morning mass and engaged encounter. And that's what we read and okay. talked about their lives and showed video of the Martin family home and how they lived and um, presented that as a model for marriage, that this is what marriage is supposed to be. And the fact that the Martins really didn't live, they didn't live a particularly extraordinary life. Their struggles were many, they were just normal 19th century struggles. They had nine kids, four of which died in infancy or early childhood. In four years, they lost five kids. I mean, it was really brutal. Uh, But... 
go up to St. Joseph Cemetery, go out to any one of the little cemeteries here in Ellis County or any place, any place in Western Kansas, and you will find a lot of grave, a lot of children's graves, especially from when they were first settling out here. Infant yeah. mortality was really hard, and they didn't have to put up with Indian raids, living in a dugout, yeah. uh, drought, grasshoppers. You know, any of the stuff that our ancestors had to put up with, they didn't have to put up with, even though they were alive at the same time. Uh-huh. But what great fruitfulness came of their love. Uh, they, yeah. uh, this is something, because I've been studying them too, like you read stuff for fun, because it's fun to read stuff. And uh, like Lewis was originally a watchmaker, Zelly made lace. But Zelly's work was, Zelly was more successful making lace than Lewis was as a watchmaker. So Lewis gave up the watchmaking stuff and instead helped run his wife's business, which uh, Frenchmen can be very particular about their masculinity and so can be very prickly about that. And for him to go, well, she's doing, that's where Uh we're doing better here, so I'm going to put aside my thing and I'm going to help hers. Uh says something about his character and the type of man he was and they ran they ran a small business so they yeah. started work at six o'clock in the morning and they didn't get done till 11 o'clock at night because when you're running your own company that's what you do you can't just knock off at five because i'm tired it's yeah. like well if the work don't get done then we don't get paid so no kidding so we have to do it and so they learned how to do that to work together but before they did all that work they get up and go to 5.30 Mass in the morning, and then they get to work. Zelly would complain. She'd write letters to her husband along the lines of, uh, I don't know what to do. We can't find any good help. Or uh, business is slow, and it's going to be real hard to meet payroll. But if I let them go, then who am I going to hire back? And yeah. they need the money. So it's like, well, we'll see if we can scrape through the hard, t- the lean times so that way we can get on to the better times. They learn that sort of thing. And they spend time with their kids. There was one image, one story also that uh, Louis came home from work and he saw Zelly uh, having a tea party with her little girls. <laughs> you have little girls. Yes. You know, that uh, daddy, we want to do this. And so, okay, we'll do this. And Louis walked in and he saw his wife having tea with his daughters and he said, I am truly blessed. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, simply because he yes. got to witness that moment of uh, love in the family. And uh, so we taught and also how they encouraged their children. They fostered the vocations in their children uh, that they taught them to live out their vocation, listen to where God wants them to be. And they did that. Um, That's why four of their children went on into uh, religious life and why Teresa ended up as a saint. And while, uh, what is it, Leonie as the other one. Uh, there's a cause for another one of the daughters. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know Yeah, Leonie. This. It was okay. just like four or five years ago they introduced the cause. Okay. So uh, to have her be canonized, too. So, And these are nice stories to share with kids about this is what marriage is supposed to be. Mom yeah. and dad sacrificed in order to raise kids. You are the – and the same thing that like what Lewis said to Zelly, I am truly blessed because here I am with your children. I see you with my children that's what husbands and wives are supposed to do with their kids. And so if you're lucky, guys, I yeah. told them, this is what you have at home, you know, to give them the ideal, and this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So. Wow. That's, that's a really great way to start them into that. And, um, you know, it's never yeah. too young to, especially with the way our culture is, is to start telling kids, you know, this is what you should shoot for. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of like our um, – don't shoot for purgatory. No. <laughs> you know, like shoot for sainthood. Shoot for heaven. That's, shoot what, for, that's, what, that's what you want to have. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, one other thing I did with uh, uh, with talking about marriage is uh, I, used, uh, I used Pixar movies. Oh, really? To show positive portrayals of marriage. Because usually okay. if you're going to go with uh-huh. popular media, popular culture, and what their vision of marriage is, is that you're not going to get a good image of marriage. Yeah. Uh, the classic image is that the husband is a selfish idiot, mm-hmm. and the wife just puts up with them, and yeah. that's not marriage. Uh, also, the sitcom problem of 
they insult each other. Yeah. Yeah, insult humor, and that passes for comedy. And so you grow up thinking that's the way it's supposed to be. Or it's people making jokes about how awful marriage is. Yeah. You know, how much it's it's an awful position to be in. And so it's like, well, I pointed out that there are a couple of positive portrayals of marriage in popular culture. you got to look for them, but uh-huh. they're there. Uh, the Incredibles is a great example of it. I mean, it's a classic yep. example of it, of a family yes. working together through a rough time, but they never considered divorce. You know, we are going to be faithful to each other. And so, and I got to show clips of The Incredibles because it's a great show. Yeah, so that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest superhero movie ever made, it really is. Uh, but to illustrate how that the family worked together, even through tough yeah. times, use the movie Up. Oh, that's a great one. Well, the first, the the sequ- the opening sequence, it's just yeah. so very, very sad. Yeah. But it's, this is what marriage is. Yes. And it, it's the beauty of animation, and it's the beauty of how you can tell a story. There's no dialogue in any of it, and yeah. yet you know exactly what's going on. So it's just very well done. It's just well put together. Yeah. And it's also a great illustration of how uh, marriage is not... You know, like you don't have to have kids in order to have a successful marriage. Yeah. Because that's the key in Up is that, you know, she wasn't able to have a baby, but they were able to make life, to yeah. live life together. And that, you know, life happened and they made a, they made a grand adventure of it by being together. Yeah. But, uh, also was able to introduce the concept of grief to them because in the movie Up, you know, Carl yeah. is uh, grieving the death of his wife. And then yeah. this little boy comes along and then they have to take the – they – put balloons on the house and then fly yeah. down to South America. But the core of it is is that he's grieving his wife and that he's working his way through the grief. Yeah. And I got to tell this to the kids of like if you've ever had a death, like grandma or grand, like grandpa died and you've gone visit grandma afterwards and something seemed a little off. You know, yeah. why does grandma seem a little sad? You know, she said she's glad to see me and everything else, but there's just something missing. Like, well, she loved her husband, and her husband's gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, that and this is normal. This is it means she loved her husband, and this yeah. is a good thing. And so you hug her because this is what grandchildren do. But you yeah, know, she's going to be sad because her husband's gone. And so introduce that concept of like this is part of the cycle of life, and this is the way it's supposed to work. Fantastic. So those are some of the things that I used. I was rather happy with it. I'm going to keep using that. And then we did that on like the day before Thanksgiving break. Yeah. So I introduced it as we're going to watch cartoons, <laughs> which they just Let's, loved. But it's like, no, we're going to watch cartoons and there's going to be a nice little yeah. notice what's going on in the cartoon. Yeah. That's actually kind of nice because at their age, you can still get away with that. I find at the high school age, um, it, it's weird because, you know, your age and even my age growing up, if there was ever an electronic brought, in, brought into the classroom, we were like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. That never happened. But now kids are like, you know, they're so inundated with stuff. Yeah. That, like, like I was saying, luckily at the age you have, you can still do things like that. Kind of when you get to high school, they're like, a video? Right, <laughs> you know, and so well, you take you start taking notes while the video's going on, and then you give them a quiz on the yep. notes. <laughs> then they learn to start taking notes to start yep. paying attention. That's uh, that's what we have. Yeah, so. there you go. And we started on penance this week, and going to be working on that. Okay, uh, uh, we're going to be working on that this week, and then anointing of the sick next week. So, and I'm going to the big three: baptism, confirmation, yep. Eucharist. Baptism confirmation. I'm going to spend I'm going to spend a month on baptism, a month on confirmation. Got nine weeks just on baptism confirmation because there's a lot in that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and the kids look at me; they can't figure out how. And then I have to explain. Well, in seminary, you know, we had a three three hour class on baptism, and then I have to explain what a three hour class is. We met for an hour. Of you know, for an hour a day, three days a week for a semester uh-huh. and talked about baptism. So yeah. there's a lot involved. So we can talk about this for a while. And then, yeah. of course, because confirmation is how you live out your baptism. Mm-hmm. You know, confirmation exists in order to help you live it out. It finishes the uh, finishes the initiation right. And so now you have what needs to be done. We got to talk about this. It's going to take a while. Yeah. And then fourth nine weeks... That's where I'm going to talk about the Eucharist, but also it's like, how do we live this out? 
Okay, what sacrament are we going to have to help us live out being baptized, being confirmed? The Eucharist is where you're going to get the strength to do the right thing. The Eucharist is where you're going to go. And so we're going to talk about the Eucharist as that. And also that's where we talk about the Mass and the powers of the Mass, you know, the, the mystical side of it. Yeah. Which is always a great challenge to convey, talk about the mystical aspects of the Mass. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's more to going on than just sit and watch Father do the thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that there's yeah. more to it than that. So. Yeah, I actually, uh, you know, I cover, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, Father Mike Schmitz has a, a video. I go over it with um, some of my classes called Pray the Mass Like Never Before. Yeah. And it's about that. Is there, don't sit and be a spectator. Um, you're called to be part of the mass. So mm-hmm. um, he's, he says something like, you're a really good Catholic if you can sit and watch Father pray. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good like, bit. Yes, and then, you can, and then you can judge how well Father yes. is praying oh, or not. he's really good. He knows the prayer. <laughs> well, I, well, or, uh, well, I like the way he says that prayer. Oh, well, yeah. I don't like the way he says that prayer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like the way he holds his hands now. Well, I don't like the way he held his hands then. It's like... He's There's no more to life than that. Of, Absolutely. You know, if, you're, if all you're getting out of Mass is we're going to judge how well or how bad he's doing, it's like yes. you're not at Mass. Yeah. You know, and so you're that, there to work. That, that's but. fantastic. That, that's what you're getting to him because, you know, I'm, and I'm careful with polls because you never know what, you know, you have to be careful with them. There was a poll a few years back. I don't think it's that bad. Maybe it is. But it said something like, you know, like 70% of Catholics in the pews don't believe in the real presence of the Christ, of Christ in the yeah. Eucharist. And I'm like, is it really that bad? I mean, first off, who were they interviewing as Catholics, you know? Do and, they, yeah. And um, maybe it is. Um, I'm just trying to err on the side of maybe it's not that bad. But either way, you know, it's still a problem. And so for our kids to be learning this, to get that, one thing that um, they won't leave TMP with is not knowing what the sacraments are. You're not, not knowing oh, yeah. we're, that we're, Christ we're, is truly present in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, later in life, if, if they shed the faith, well, you know, they have the free will to do that. But their excuse isn't going to be, no one ever taught me. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, yeah, well, you know. So and that's yeah. also why we have adoration every Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's how you you got to establish that relationship with the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. There's all the head knowledge. Okay, oh, well, that was epiclesis, and this is anamnesis, and, uh, you know, here's, I know the parts of the Mass. Here's the Liturgy of the Word. Here's the Liturgy of the Eucharist. You may know it all up in your head, but unless you have that relationship yep. with our Lord and Savior— which is one of the purposes of adoration, yeah. then it's not going to work. Uh, the gimmick I use, or the phrase, I want the kids to fall in love with Mary and fall in love with the Eucharist. Yeah. Because if they fall in love with Mary and fall in love with the Eucharist, they will be Catholic for the rest of their lives yep. because those are the two things we have that other people don't. Yeah, exactly. That that's our unique thing. And so, well, if you if you love Mary, come here. Yep, and we will help you. We will help you show that love. We will help you build up that relationship. And same thing with the Blessed Sacrament. So, yeah, and you know, one yeah. of the things that we've seen. Um, so, uh, Father and I and our religion department, we've talked about this before. Uh, so every Friday we take the kids to adoration, and Father's been very good about uh, making sure that uh, we have priests available uh, for uh, confession, um, usually all day long for every, all the yeah. classes. Yeah. Um, unless something happens, you know, every once in a, uh, in a while, you know, a priest will get sick or something like that. But there's for the funeral. most part, yeah, there's a funeral. I have a funeral on Friday, and it is messing up the schedule. Something you know, awful. Then yes, that I think happens. we finally got it sorted out. Everybody had to kind of adjust their schedules, but oh, I think fantastic. we got it. But, uh, but, but we've seen the fruits of that come because, uh, you know, last year I had a class, um, and you were in that class in the confessional for us. And I don't think that that class, I don't think anybody went to confession. And, you know, that's the thing. We never force anybody to go. We just give them the opportunity. I don't think anybody from that class went all year long. And then the last nine weeks, we started getting a trickle. And we had one or two kids that started going. And now this year, it's not like every kid jumps up and goes. But there, I don't know that we've gone an entire hour where absolutely no one went. Yeah. There may be. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, 
generally kids, uh, when, when we say, okay, Father's here, he's ready for you. If you want to avail yourself to the sacrament, um, uh, please feel free to do so and know that it's there for you. Um, generally, you know, within five minutes, kids have done a reflection and they're headed in there. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's like, holy cow. Um, we're we're getting ready to leave, and there's still a kid in the confessional. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, I'll hear like I'll I hear roughly 15 on any given Friday when I'm there. Okay. And I think. And that's just a couple of classes. Yeah, that's just a couple of classes. But you know, if you're doing that, if it's, you know, if it's 30 or 40 kids every Friday. Yeah. I mean, that's going to even if it's not the same. Every 30 or yeah. 40 kids every Friday, that's going to change a culture. Yeah. That's going to help them realize, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't be doing the teasing. Well, maybe that is a little bit bullying, and maybe I should kind of lighten up on this. It gives them a chance to reflect and to change some of their behavior. And so, yeah, and what a blessing for, like you were saying, you know, when they leave, if we continue that on, when they leave, hopefully one of the things that um, they realize is. You know, I've kind of made a habit of going every week or every two weeks to confession. Maybe I ought to go. <laughs> yeah, well, they also know, all right, I got a mortal sin on my soul. I need to get to confession. I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, confessions are at 4 o'clock on Saturday, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go to confession. I know yeah. what to do. Otherwise, it's mom and dad are dragging you, and it's like you're in college, and you don't know what to uh -huh. do. It's like, no, I can do it myself. Yeah. So. Nobody likes confession. We like what happens in confession, but it gets a little bit less scary. Well, I talked it, about you know? today. I use the image as like the priest is a doctor, mm -hmm. and that the doctor has to prescribe medicine. And so, do you really like going to the doctor? Well, not really, because it means I'm sick. Yeah. But you like getting well, so. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And that was when we were talking about why you needed to confess number and kind, is because the doctor needs to know just how severe the problem is. And so that's yep. by number and kind. Uh, it gives you a better idea of just how much you're wrestling with. Yeah. So. And and you yourself, me as a penitent, you know, I'm oh, if I think back in the last week, I've done this five times. Yeah. I really ought to get that one in check. Yeah. And that's the one that, you know, okay, well, we're going to work on that. So yeah. that's also stuff. That's yeah. stuff to discuss in class. Of, yeah. Uh, the image of priest as a doctor. Yeah, so. maybe um, just a quick side note, and then I'll get to um, our second trivia question. But that is one thing that I've noticed is, um, and I try not to set my sins up so that I'm like, um, if I say this one and then bury it with this one, maybe Father, you know, yeah. like that's, we don't want to do that because we're talking to Christ there. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing I've noticed in confession is no matter how I lay my sins out, I'm I'm always amazed at like, how did they pick up on that one? Like, that's the one I really need help with. And they gave me direction without, a lot of times I may ask for direction on something, yeah. but there's also times where I'm like, I didn't ask for any direction. And the priest may be like, you know what? Like just yeah. a really cool penance I was given once not too long ago. Say a prayer for um, that young couple that was just married in here a little bit ago. And it was something that was good for them, but also something that was good for me. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, the reason so, for that is uh, there's no Padre Pio or John Vianney supernatural power. <laughs> it's, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I missed Mass. I cussed seven times. <laughs> and you're hoping I don't notice the fact that you paused and you whispered this at the yeah. very end. And it's like, that's the one that you're really bugging you. That's the one we got to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's all it is. Yeah, is or you it? got a voice crack. Sorry, Father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Father. Okay. We need to go to a break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about powering up with the sacraments. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Powering up with the sacraments. With Father Damien Richards. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. 
Uh, let's get back to uh, Father Damien Richards. Let's uh, hear some more about uh, what's going on in that eighth grade. Uh, what are our youngsters learning about? Okay. What do you have, Father? Well, we can talk about sacraments. The way I introduce the content, well, first off, it's... Uh, you know, the sacraments are efficacious signs of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us. And so in order to get the concept of efficate, well, first off, we had to talk about what a sign was. Mm -hmm. And so I did one lesson plan on one day we talked about all the rules regarding the flag. Oh, cool. You know, we just did a little, uh -huh. I dug out a thing from the VFW about flag courtesy yep. and see how well they knew the stuff. And they know it pretty well. And then I did a thing on, uh, I got a uh, driver's test, an online driver's test <laughs> with signs, street uh -huh. signs. And eighth grade kids are very interested in street signs because about ready to drive. they're on the cusp yep. and so they're ready for it so they're very interested in those and so that one day is just talking about the American flag the other day is talking about street signs and then we point out that there's a difference in the signs okay uh -huh. there's a stop sign and then there's an American flag and yeah. I heard this story in my first Curcio and I've been using it ever since that uh you know, it's hunting season, you go out and you can't find any birds, but you really want to shoot this really cool gun. Well, I better test the sights so you start shooting at a stop sign. You know, so stop yeah. sign gets shot don't up. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> uh, like, But stop sign gets shot up. And stop signs are expensive. Yeah. I mean, those things, they add up really fast, mm -hmm. a couple hundred bucks. And so... You're at the county commission. County commission, it's like somebody's been shooting up stop signs, and we got to replace them. Uh -huh. So they have it as an agenda item. How many people in the community are going to show up because we have to vote on replacing stop signs? Nobody. You know, mm -hmm. it's going to be the same. The guy who always shows up at the meetings. Yeah, that's it. But if somebody was shooting the American flag, oh yeah, and the county commission was going to have a meeting about this. You know, now, American flags are cheap. I mean, you can yep. get them for like 10 bucks, 20 bucks. You yep. can get a cheap American flag real easy. But the entire county's. Oh, up. yeah. Everybody'd be up in arms. <laughs> what are we going to from other counties? <laughs> what are we going to do about this? How are we going to stop this? And it's because a stop sign just means direction. This isn't how to keep people safe. But the American flag means so much more. Mm -hmm. It's a sign that points us to a greater reality. Yeah. Because the American flag, and usually it's made in China, for goodness sake. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just a piece. It's a piece of fabric. It's a piece of nylon or something. Mm -hmm. Yet, so the thing in and of itself is not that important, but what it represents is so much deeper. Yeah. And so that's why it gets us all worked up. Yeah. And sacraments are more along the lines of American flag sign as opposed to stop sign. That yeah. it points us towards a deeper reality and calls us to a deeper relationship with God. You know wow. that it's an outward sign instituted by Christ. Uh, it's a, it's an efficacious sign, but it's given to us in order to point us to a deeper reality. Yeah. So, and that's why we get so worked up with you know how dare you do this to the Eucharist? How dare you do this to uh -huh. you know the sacraments? It's like you don't want to mess this up. So yeah. that was one of the ways we started with it is. But you see, that takes a while to get them to the point of recognizing there are signs and then there are signs. Yeah. Gotcha. And that we're dealing with something much deeper than that. Yeah. yeah. You're, you know, in speaking to that, um, it also gets me to think of um, it's also kind of the um, do I want to not do something because I'm afraid of the punishment or do I not want to do something because I don't want to bring shame upon myself and others? Same thing is, you know, like um, I don't want to desecrate the flag because of what it represents and because what I believe it represents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you I know, know, veterans, I don't want to shoot a stop sign because I don't want my gun taken away and I don't want to pay a fine and other things like that, you know, it's yeah, all along yeah. those same lines. Yeah, the stop sign, it's more along lines, well, nobody's around, so I can just get away with it, so who cares? Yeah. Uh, but the American flag, it's like, no, even though no one's around, I'm going to still make sure it doesn't touch the ground. Yeah, I mean, it, this <laughs> is know? even, you can even see this in um, people who put their American flags out, even when nobody's watching. Um, there are many people that, when you put the American flag out, stand there and say the Pledge of Allegiance, Yeah. even though nobody's watching. Yeah, but it's, so, it's for their... Yeah. It's, it, I'm doing this because I love my country. 
Yeah. You know, not because I'm forced to do it. <laughs> yeah, not because I'm forced to do it, not because somebody's watching, but yeah. because no, this is important to me. Um, okay. And, and it also illustrates uh, because it's uh, outward sign that this is where there are trick answers okay. to uh, the first sacrament. All right. Yeah. Let's let's do that. See okay. what you got. Because it's not baptism. Okay. Everybody thinks first sacrament. Well, it's baptism. Like, eh, you're thinking of the seven because mm-hmm. that's also the tendency that the problem is is that everybody wants to immediately go to listing the seven. Now let's talk about what a sacrament is first. And so, like the first sacrament, the primal sacrament would be Jesus Christ mm-hmm. because he was sent from God. He's he, he was efficacious. He was effective, okay? Mm-hmm. He was a sign of grace, okay? He was sent by God, the Father, and made incarnate. You know, there was a time and a place where he was, and he did that in order to dispense divine life to us. That's why he came, was to give us divine life. So Jesus is the first sacrament, okay? You can also argue that the church is the sacrament, because how do we in 2022 encounter Christ? Well, it's through the church. He created the church to continue this work. So the church is a sacrament too, okay? It's efficacious, yeah. it's a sign of grace, it's instituted by Christ, yeah. okay? And because it was entrusted to us, and we dispense divine life. So the church is also a sacrament, okay? But then you go back even further You know, why did God create the world? Did he have to create the world? Nope. He wanted to create the world Mm -hmm. because he wanted to show love. So the world itself in the pre-fallen state is a sacrament because it was created in order to show us the love of the immaterial God. It was created to show that in a physical sense. So you see, there are all sorts of trick yeah. questions. There are all sorts of trick answers you can give <laughs> to it. Um, the better, the better question, the better trick answers are Jesus Christ with the church. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, because Jesus came to save us, and, that, mm-hmm. and that's the purpose of a sacrament. The sacraments exist in order to save us. That's why they're here. Uh, and that's also why seven is such an important number too, to, uh, because seven is the perfect number. Yep. And it took me. Oh, well, I like to read, and that's all there is to it, because <laughs> I can never quite figure out, well, why seven? Why not? Why is seven the perfect number? Why isn't six the perfect number? Why isn't eight the perfect number? Why seven? Uh-huh. And then I was reading Isidore Seville's Etymologies, as one does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, that's foreign. <laughs> well, Isidore uh... Seville, he was a bishop in Seville, Spain in like the 500s, and he's one of the doctors of the church, and I made a vow 30 years ago that I was going to read something by every doctor of the church. Um, and uh, That's fantastic. So that's, so I was just... I need to do something like that. Yeah, it's like, start with Story of a Soul by Teresa Lesue. Uh-huh. She's a doctor, that's the thing she wrote. Yep. But I was reading that, it's like, well, I haven't read... The etymologies of Isidore. I haven't read anything by Isidore Seville. It's like, hey, here's a copy of the book. Well, I get it and I read it. And it's what it is. Is it's the world's first encyclopedia. Oh, really? That's what he wrote. Is he wrote the world's first encyclopedia? That's why he's patron saint of the internet. Okay. Because when the internet is doing what it's supposed to do, it's disseminating knowledge. Yeah. We use it to disseminate trash, but it's supposed to be used to <laughs> yeah. disseminate knowledge. But in it, he was talking about the. Th- first 10 numbers. And the reason why seven is is the perfect number is because it doesn't go into anything else of the first 10 numbers. Everything else is divisible by or okay. goes into another. You know, uh-huh. two goes into the even numbers, three, six, and nine. Yep. Four is two, five, and 10. Six is three and two. Yep. Eight, two, and four. Nine is three. 10 is a 5, and the only one that doesn't go into anything is 7. And so they said, well, 7 is unique then. And so 7 became fulfillment, the perfect number. So we got to spend a day talking about 7 and talking about 7 in the Bible and why they always use 7 all the time Mm -hmm. in the Bible to symbolize completeness. And even then, there's a, uh, uh, on the human side of things, you can see it in, uh, like, the lunar cycle is 28 days, 28 divided yeah, by four. So, yep. 
is seven. And so every seven days, you can see that the moon has changed. Oh, so you cool. see on a human, uh, just on a natural level, mm-hmm. you can see it. So that's why seven. And then they said, because they were the, the, you know, you can get into an apologetics argument and they'll say that the uh, church didn't formalize the list of the sacraments until the 1000s, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas Aquinas was the one that said, okay, here are the seven. And this is why they said it has to be seven, okay. uh, is because it's the perfect number. That's okay. where it came from. And also, when they were looking up the seven and, well, what should the seven be, they went back and, well, what seven are in the Bible? What seven gotcha. were there uh-huh. referenced in the Bible or talked about? And that's what we're going to go with. Because it's also part of, like, uh, uh, you know, who wrote the Bible? Yeah. You know who wrote the Bible. Yeah. The, the church. church. The church wrote the Bible. Yeah. The church said this is in, this is out. Yeah. And so it's a variation on that of like, um, no, this is definitely a sacrament. This is not. This yeah. is something that's nice, but it's not a sacrament. Yeah. You know, so. Wow. So, but that's why seven. Okay. Uh, Father, where do you want to go from here? Oh, uh, let's see. The Latin and the Greek words for sacrament. Okay. Once again, there's all this stuff. You can see why it would take a while to <laughs> why it takes a month to define the word if we got to talk about seven uh-huh. and why seven is an important number. Uh-huh. Uh, see here, but the Greek word for sacrament is mysterion. Okay, which is where we get the word mystery. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever had, and of course, this is the Catholic understanding of mystery, not. The Scooby-Doo understanding of mystery. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. It's like, well, who done yeah, it or exactly. let's solve the problem. It's like, no, this isn't a problem to be solved. This is uh-huh. something to be contemplated. This is something that can never be completely understood. And all of the sacraments are that way. And because they, it's an encounter with the divine and the divine is infinite, we're never going to completely understand it. We're going to get bits and pieces of it, but we'll never get it completely. Yeah. And that's an important thing to know in terms of how a sacrament works is that we will never fully understand it. And so you have to have the basic, you know, you have to, you know, in order for for a child to be able to receive communion, they have to know that it's special bread. Yeah. That's all it is, special okay. bread, that it's not normal bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you, if you, you can never fully understand exactly what the Eucharist is. Yeah. You know, and there's many a priest that, you know, I've been ordained for 50 years and I'm only now figuring it out, you know, (laughs) that, you know, you say it every day and you still and you think you got it. And then, you know, you get hit upside the head and you go, I have no idea what I'm doing. And you're like, I thought I understood it, but I don't. And so that's part of what a mystery is. Yeah. we will never fully understand what this is. And is it, um, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't even know if the story is true or not. It doesn't really matter so much if it is. It makes a good point. I think it was told about St. Augustine walking along a beach, and he sees this kid who's digging a hole in the sand, running to the uh, water and filling it by filling it up with water. And he goes, what are you doing? And that kid's like, I'm trying to empty the ocean into this hole. And he goes, don't you know that's impossible? You'll never be able to do that. And the kid looks up and goes, and you too will never be able to completely understand the Trinity. And poof, he's gone. <laughs> so like yeah. I said, it doesn't matter really to me whether the story is true or not. I understand the point. Like That'd be a good dream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, um, it's not that I shouldn't contemplate it, but at some point if I'm straining myself being like, oh, I just can't get it. It's okay. It's okay. Um, You're not supposed to part. That's the part of the mystery where I have to just go, okay, in that part, God, I have to leave to you. That we have to trust. Yeah. Yeah. um, But the other thing is that the Latin word for sacrament is sacramentum, and it originally meant oath. Okay. And uh, part of it is is that uh, the Latin and the Greek don't – it's not a one-to-one translation. Okay. But – but still, there's an awful lot in the fact that it's an oath, because it's like, because uh, I realized this, and I realized this this year, I was very excited to figure this out. It's like, oh my gosh, this never occurred to me. But every one of the sacraments, there is an oath involved. At some point in time, every sacrament we receive, it's like, do you believe this? Are you going to live life this way? Mm-hmm. You take an oath. Yeah. In every sacrament, you do this. I mean, in baptism, will you raise the child Catholic? And you take an oath that, yes, yeah. I will. Um, and confession, 
you know, like the act of contrition is like I'm firmly resolved. You know, I take an oath that I'm going to try not to sin again. Okay, yeah. you know, there's an oath involved in that. Uh, even the Eucharist, when we receive communion, you know, I say body of Christ, and you say, Amen, Amen. Yeah, which is an oath. Yeah, you know, do you believe that this is body and blood, soul and divinity, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Amen. Yes, it is. Yeah, you know, that's an oath. And we do this throughout all of them. And so that there's this moment in the sacraments where I have to make this decision. Do I believe this or not? That's a good thing to know that I have. It's this day. You know, if you're every time you receive communion, you're recommitting yourself to the fact that it is the body in Christ. I ought to do a homily on that. Yeah, that would be a good one. I can have fun with that. Absolutely. yeah, but it's like, yeah. don't just mutter amen. Don't yeah. just wait for Father to, because. And make sure that you say amen. Yeah, I know. And so <laughs> I will yes. say, if they don't say anything, I will say amen for them. Uh, you know, body of Christ, amen. Uh, you know, you got to, you have to say the word. Yeah. Um, because it means, yes, I do believe that this is what this is. Um, and you can have lots of fun with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, was, I like to really quick. I, yeah, I like to look at it like in marriage. I, I actually go when I'm taking people through marriage. I'm like, how well is it going to work for you if you're getting ready to say your marriage vows? So you're getting ready to make an oath. Yeah. Um, and you, the other person has to kick you and be like, hey, this is the I do part. <laughs> you know, and like, is that how we're approaching Jesus? And we're like, oh, yeah, give me the bread. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that doesn't work out so well for our relationship. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, when you're making an oath, you better mean it. <laughs> yeah. Marriage. Yeah. I forgot about marriage, but marriage is definitely it's it's an oath. Yeah. I do believe this. And at Viaticum, at the very end of life, uh, I got to do Viaticum uh, before Thanksgiving. Uh, got called up to the hospital, and part in uh, viaticum, everybody worries about anointing of the sick, but communion is really the last sacrament you're supposed to receive before you die, and it's under a special kind. It's called viaticum with mm-hmm. you on the way, and what makes it special is you do an act. You, you go to confession. You hear the you hear the person's confession, then you uh, then they profess their faith, and then you give them the Eucharist. And so, because it's like, as I am dying, we ask them, do you believe in God the Father Almighty? I do. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? I do. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I do. And it's this very powerful thing of, Lord, I trust in you. This is why we have, this is why it's so good to have that before you die. It's like, as I am dying, I am letting God know that I am a faithful follower. I'm trying to be a faithful follower of him. Yeah. And I'm trying my best. And so that's an important thing to be able to do. Uh, but we have to add those oaths are so important. Yeah. And we don't think about them. We just kind of rattle them off. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like, no, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Make, um, make it heartfelt. Make it mean something. A few minutes left. Um, and I don't want to take them from you. Um, what do you have left for us in these uh, um, next four minutes that uh, you think you can impart on us? Oh, Quick gosh. but well. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, there's all sorts of big, fancy things. To uh, Well, we talked about matter and form. Because you've got mm-hmm. to talk about matter and form when you're dealing with the sacraments. And one thing we pointed out, you know, uh, you can't just change the Eucharist. You know, you can't make it pizza and beer. Yep. Because it's got to be, mm-hmm. it's got to be bread and wine. And it can't be strawberry wine. Yeah. It's got to be grape wine, you know, that there are rules on this. And if you change it, then it doesn't count, you know, and uh, the... Oh, that story, it was the priest who got baptized under We Baptize mm, You uh-huh. and how they had to redo everything because it didn't yeah. count because you changed the words. So you don't change the words because you, you exactly know, like we know this is how it works. And so I was able to introduce the concept to the kids, you know, and talking about marriage of, OK, there's the matter and the form in marriage. The matter is one man, one woman. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you if you can't just put pizza in for Eucharist, yeah, can you change man and woman? Correct. No, you can't because you got to have the proper matter. If you don't have the yep. proper matter, it doesn't count. Yeah. And you got to have the proper form. Uh, that's also why I'm talking about marriage. It's how you can't make up a vow. You can't make up your vows. 
you got to say these things because you got to make sure that you are swearing to free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Yeah. And the vows that the church has and the options that the church has, they all have. They all make sure that they're talking about, I freely choose you. I, I'm going to be free, faithful, uh, free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Yeah. That those, vow, those are included in the vows. You can't just make up stuff. <laughs> yep. And uh, I'm very proud of that because it's, we are presenting it as, no, this is part of matter and form. Because uh, once again, and also, could the, could the Pope just change it? Can the Pope just change the matter? No. No, uh-uh, no, he can't. No, he can't because you know if you, there's a great way to get in trouble. You know, you're the pope, and you go, yeah, yeah, it's fine, <laughs> and you have to go, and you die, and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he says, so what did you do to build up my church? And oh, I told him it was fine. Are you really yeah. want to do that? Not really. <laughs> Remember how you said this in the to. Bible? I said, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. <laughs> no. I mean, if the Pope's going to change something, he has to think really hard about it and make sure that whatever it is they're doing fits within the tradition. Yeah. And so I also introduced the concept that you can't just change stuff. Yeah. Because, well, we think it'll look cool the other way. Or, yeah. well, this is a neat idea. Or everybody else is doing it, and so we need to do it, too. Yeah. So, Okay. Thank you so much. As we wrap up this hour, we want to thank uh, Father Damian Richards for his time um, and ask uh, Father if uh, you would uh, send us off with a prayer and with your blessing, if that would be okay with you. This is a prayer for school children, which is uh, very appropriate given the teaching. It's the name of the The Father, Father, and the the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father of all mercies, we ask that you would bless the youngest and littlest of learners, the most helpless and powerless of persons, with your infinite and loving mercy, granting them the strength to learn, concentrate, and act in love towards their teachers and fellow students. We also ask that you would watch over them at home and at school and give them proper direction so that they may learn of your wonderful virtues. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. This year, we are focusing on Mother Angelica, so we will end this show with one of her quotes. This one is titled, A New Awareness. A Christian does not strain after God the way one seeks after a lost object. He merely becomes more and more aware of what he already possesses. Pray for us, Mother Angelica. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.